When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deflator for the West Coast Eagles. It's not the only time Paul Hazelby deflated the West Coast Eagles. He deflated them about 40 seconds from the end in the 2006 Derby, which I still think is the best Derby ever played. We've got that on repeat uh, on the run home, which you can listen to a bit later. <laughs> just when people do something special in sport, I just like to remind myself of that. So Paul Hazelby, of course, is one half of the run home with Hazen Mudder. You can hear that on SENWA at 3 p.m. weekdays. And to help drive you on the run home, thanks to the Isuzu D-Max, and you can live your own way with the Isuzu D-Max. Hayes, you're joining us in the studio. We are going to talk about Freo and the 29-point loss to the Dogs. But first, I'm asking everyone this question today. It's the big topic because the Poms are whinging like there's no tomorrow. Was the Bearstow-Stumping fair or unfair? Well, we've heard this spirit of cricket comment thrown out there. Now, spirit of cricket, does that mean every time you edge it, you should walk like Adam Gilchrist does. I don't see many players do that. Like if you're playing by the spirit of the cricket, that's what you should do every time. It's an absolute nonsense. Yeah. And uh, Bairstow was out, play by the rules. And I think it's got to a stage where you just let the umpires do their thing and they did their thing and he's out. That's exactly right. It's professional sport. Um, the rules are there. The umpires enforce the rules. The umpires decide whether he's out or not. I think that's pretty... It's pretty simple. Can't uh, call and decide when you're going to abide by this spirit of rules comment. Oh, you can if you're English. You are you are the people who set the rules and you decide when mm. and when it's not fair play. Yeah, Mitch Stark's catch, spirit of cricket, that was out. I reckon... Against I reckon, the rules, it wasn't out. <laughs> exactly. And no one said Duckett should uh, uh, keep walking. Um, I reckon what they should do when they come out here, given that our players have to walk through the long room at the MCC... Let's get him to walk through Bay 13 <laughs> yeah. at the MCG <laughs> on and off the ground. Let's see how that goes. Let's see Let's see how Stuart Broad cops. Uh, well, I don't think Stuart Broad will be coming to the next Ashes down here. <laughs> They're a bit old, aren't they? Fragile. Yeah. Okay, let's get on to Frio. Uh, have they just found their 2023 level and it's just not top eight? I think they have. When you look at the matchup against the Western Bulldogs, who are entrenched inside the top eight, going pretty well, the expectation for me was they go over there and they give them a good challenge and they frighten them at some stage and maybe edge in front. But I didn't have them for the win, and that's exactly what happened. And it's very similar to what we've seen from Fremantle all year. Start slowly again, be a bit more aggressive, play catch-up, dominate for two and three quarters, but then lose momentum at the at the wrong time. And they just don't capitalise, I guess, on some of that momentum. But the starts are becoming an issue. They are just... It's almost like they're just waiting and seeing what they're going to get given by the opposition rather than actually taking the game on early and try and dictate. Because once they get in front, Frio, they're a very hard team to chase down because they do play pretty smart tactical footy. They know how to maintain possession at the right time and work their way through the defence that the opposition gives them, but they're always chasing and that becomes an issue. Is Nathan Fife nearly done now? 
Well, he wasn't playing that well, was he? Now, how much of that game contributed from his injury? I'm not quite sure, but he just looked out of place. He's been caught a fair bit lately. And even when ball is in hand, he's not the same Nathan Fife that we know, love and remember. Look, maybe just, just forget this year. You've got between now and round one to get yourself fully ready for next season. And if he has to do a slightly different training than everybody else, he does that, come back a little bit fitter, give himself one last crack to get set up properly for next year where he's not chasing the tail. But I think they'll be okay without him. And I I said it yesterday on my show, the two-year contract right now just looks silly. Like, what yeah. was the rush on that? I, I do not understand. On one hand, you've got these clubs that come out and say – you know, the power, the players have got all the power in the competition right now and they want to take some power back. Well, here was a chance to take some power back. Just use your weeks, use the rest of the season, make an informed decision. And in that time, if the player, in this case it's Nathan Fife, wanted to seek assurance elsewhere and get a contract, well, so be it. Be happy for him to walk. It's not going to be the be-all be and end-all if Nathan Fife walked and if he's injured because they've got enough coverage players coming in. Like, you wouldn't say right now he's inside the most important 15 for Frio, would you? No, you wouldn't. It, does this become a business decision? Like, I'm fascinated by this and I don't fully understand it. But you're looking at West Coast with Nat Nui, same sort of thing. Is it a business decision? Is it a brand issue? We're worried about our brand if this guy goes and joins another club. It doesn't damage the brand whatsoever, though, really. Like, you look at all those champions that left Geelong, that left Hawthorne, that went to other clubs. Does it tarnish what they achieved at their their first club? It doesn't. And in the end, it, you're not saying no to them. You're just saying no right now. Let's get to yeah. the end of the season and... I think as a club, if you can say to, to yourself and your supporters, we offered Nathan Fife a one-year deal at the end of the season. He didn't take it. Well, I think they all understand and move on and know the club did what they needed to do. But the business of footy is winning and being smart. Like the money that you could use, let's say for Nat Nui right now, call it 600000 like that could be valuable right now. You don't hear about West Coast chasing any free agents. Yep. Why? Because they have no money to do so. If they had better list management, they could have a million dollars free that they could prob prob probably cover two years of a free agent's contract potentially and put themselves in a really good position. And that for Fremantle, when you offer two years to those sort of players that are getting towards the end, if they lose this year and don't play finals, they lose next year and don't play finals. Where's the money coming from? Where's the lever coming from to actually make the next move that might be the catalyst to get into the finals? I reckon they're a couple of midfield rotations short, and I reckon they're a couple of big-bodied mids short. Uh, Erasmus and Johnson, those players, and what do you do with them in the back half of the year? Throw in Will Brody. So last year he was really good. I know Justin's probably been a bit reluctant this year to put him in because you've got Jager O'Meara, but that was the issue with bringing in Jager O'Meara and losing David Mundy. They, those, Jager came in, but you lost Mundy, but you also lost Will Brody, who did really well in their... Their best and fairest last year is a real surprise revelation type of player. So I think it's almost time to give him another chance to go back through there because they just look like they lack another class, not class player, but one that can be consistent every yep. single week on rotation. Erasmus and also Johnson. But the, the thing they've got is they've got so many of the similar type on the inside. Who's the player that can be on the outside? The big surprise has been Liam Henry again. The possession rate, fantastic, which is great because I think when you have Liam Henry getting 32, we know he's going to turn a couple over, and he did, and there was probably a couple of poor efforts. But if you have 32, 
then your net result on the game is still 28, 29. Yeah. If you're having 15 and you're doing those sort of things, then it becomes hard to wear. So they're building some midfield depth there, but you're right, with Fife out, they now get another chance to really expose another player with a bit more midfield time around the centre bounds. Henry's an interesting one, isn't it? Because there were a couple of bad moments, but what I'm liking about Henry's game is where he's running mm. and what that means for the team. He's getting back, he's helping out, he's becoming an outlet. And you know the other thing he does, Hayes? He's prepared to look inside and if it's there, have a crack. Now, if you're going to do that, you are going to butcher a couple yep. and you are going to cop. But the the net result the other way might actually be important. And generally speaking, he's a pretty good kick. So if anyone's going to be biting that off and taking that on, he's as good as anyone. So You've got to give licence to one or two players in your team to be able to do that. And Fremantle, I think, need more of that. On the weekend, there's so many times around stoppage, whether it was from the back half, they got into a really good position in the corridor. But then instead of taking the ball and going straight forward, they would handball wider. They would go back. And they had 410 disposals on the weekend, mm. which is evidence of this. So they would handball, invite pressure. The Bulldogs were there. Then they'd handball again. Then they'd handball again. And before they knew it, they weren't in that attacking position that they first were from the first handball. So I think it's just this philosophy that they've just got to go a little bit more. When you sniff a chance that you're out, you have to go. And don't be afraid just to kick it in. Let those forwards do their thing. Jackson one-on-one, Tracy one-on-one, and also Joy Amos one-on-one. That's all they want. And the small forwards, that's all they want. Whether they mark the ball or it comes to ground, Walters, Schultz, Switkowski, they just want to beat the opposition defence back. So I just feel that lack of the attacking flair from the back half also applies through the midfield when they do get into good positions. We can only assume that Luke Jackson was injured on the weekend and that's why Josh Tracy mm. was the one at the centre bounces in that last quarter. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm led to believe that. He, he played like a guy that wasn't 100% right. On the back of what we've seen the last six weeks, there was a real improvement. Um, the other argument is they're trying to really shore up the forward line and they've come to the conclusion that they need three in there that that works best. But I think Jackson is a player that needs to go into the ruck. His best work is in the ruck when he can actually get some cheaper possessions, some really good explosive stuff from the stoppage and get involved that way. It's difficult sometimes for key forwards if they just stay in those positions, particularly when you don't have the key forward mindset and skill set of some of the other ones that uh, do so well in those positions. So what you're saying is getting up the ground gets him involved in the game, gets him up and about, and then he's probably more likely to impact when he gets forward again. And gets separation from your defender. So if you're just playing as a forward, you've got one player on you for the whole game. If you go up into the ruck, you can actually explode forward and you've got no man. You go, we've got to beat is Tim English, who's buggered. He's been running and and that's where you can start to have an impact on the game. And he, he needs that in his game. How's their midfield going? They they got smashed in the end, but overall, how did you see the performance? They're so reliant on clearance contested possession. If they do well in those stats, they win the game. The numbers show that this year. It's all about field position, but they've got to find a second way that if it doesn't go right for you on the inside with those stats, how can you actually be a, I guess, a counteracting team? You're on the back foot. You're in your back half. How can you move it from there and still score? And how many times do you go to the footy and you've you've had one team that's had the ball inside 58 times early in the quarter and then all of a sudden the team goes from the back half to the front half and they score and they kick the goal. They need to be better at counter-punching and also hurting on turnover. 
I just think right now everything relies on clearance. Everything relies on getting the ball in their front half and setting up really well defensively and trying to get some forward half turnovers. If they don't get on their terms, then I think that's what we're seeing. They're becoming vulnerable. There's no second option to go to that can actually get them back into the contest and maybe ahead of the game. We talked about the Nathan Five contract, but the the Sonny Walters contract is actually looking not too bad at the moment. Geez, he was good on the weekend. Yeah, it does look good. But um, again, why can't you just give him that one? Yeah, two and years then a see, long time. see how yeah. he goes. Because, you know, there's been times over the last two years yeah. we've probably all sat back here and gone, geez, he's looking like he's he's nearly gone. It doesn't take much from an injury point of view um, for that to happen. But, gee, he has been really good. It's great to see. He's just got his energy, his life, his spark back, and he's finishing well. And, it might be important the way that he finishes, the way that Jai Amos finished. They don't need too many chances to actually kick goals. And you you, you take it back a couple of years when you you had your Matt Tabernas, who probably needed a few more to have that sort of impact on the scoreboard. Yeah. Sun Sun needs a metre, doesn't he? But if you give him a metre, he's better with that metre than almost any mm. player in the competition. Oh, he's twofold. He can kick the goals and he can also set them up. He's just such yeah. a smart player. Um, just got to get the ball through him. And I think they're getting better at that as well. Let's talk about your favourite, Jai Amos. He's tracking, we're doing the updated math here. He's tracking towards 45 goals now. You said 40. Mind you, you did say that to get him in the eight and uh, and have them contending. That's not going to happen, I don't think. But um, he's going really well, isn't he? He is flying. And we're still not seeing the best of him. We're still not seeing the contested marking side. And I think a little bit because of the ball movement, we're still not seeing the smart leading player that can get five metres on his opponent. What we're actually seeing is ground ball stuff at the moment. When he gets everything uh, in his favour, he's going to regularly be kicking four, five and six goals. And it amazes me that, you know, you still got the Eastern States bias. If he was in Victoria, right now, they would be singing the praises of Jai Amos. They would be going gaga on what he's put up. Those numbers are extraordinary. That puts him, I think, when I looked across the weekend, 13 or 14 in the Coleman medal. That's where he sits right now. And I think it's 13th now. Yeah. If he gets to 45, 50 goals, he just has to win the Rising Star, doesn't he? Based on what we all love and value in footy, goals, plus also youngsters that have played three games prior to this coming into the season, skinny, raw, and having this sort of impact. It, it's been an amazing season. Yeah, I really like Owens from St Kilda, and we saw him have big impact in the game against yep. St Kilda here on the weekend. I really like him. But I but I do think those two, given that they're what given what they're doing, I tend to think that puts them in front of the others. I mean, anyone can run around as a midfielder and get 22 if the role's right for you yeah. now. And she's always running around getting 27, but yeah. he's also probably getting five kick-ins a yeah. game as well in the back half and chip, chip, chip. We know that uh, a lot of defenders are getting those sort of numbers these days. Yeah, and Ash, Ashcroft is playing in a midfield that has Dunkley and mm. Neil and Berry. There's a lot of big-bodied McCluggage, you know, big-bodied mature mids around him. I mean, he's a good player, Will Ashcroft, and he's had good moments in games, but... Uh, impact on games. I think it's hard to go past the two boys that are playing forward, Owens and uh, and Amos. Do they need another one down there? Like, if you're the list managers of the Fremantle Dockers, would you be having a crack at a player at the end of this season to bring in to just shore up that forward line? I'd be more inclined to look for the dynamic big-bodied mid, Hayes. Yep. And, and the reason I say that, like, you've talked a few times about how they come out and the other team throws a punch and then they react. Someone, uh, that alpha dog in the midfield that goes in for the first bounce and just does what Fife used to do, you know, does what Petrarca and Oliver do for Melbourne, does what 
um, Ollie Wines would once do for Port Adelaide that, that someone like Butters, mm. even though Butters is not big body, has that diamond dynamism around them. They're early picks, though, aren't they? Yeah. Like, you were talking about your Harley Reeds, yeah. Daniel Curtins. Yeah. With Fremantle giving away their first pick this year to Melbourne, it becomes difficult to find that sort of player, doesn't it? Well, let's talk about list management then. What have they got a lot of that they might be able to give that gets them further up the draft picking order? Let, let's say, let, okay, let, let's. Liam Henry is out of contract, hasn't yep. signed yet. Um, he's under a manager that has a habit of moving players uh, for for more money. What given Liam Henry's last three weeks? What is Liam Henry worth on the market now? Twenty-one year old has just found his feet in the AFL. Top ten draft pick. Yeah, I, I would pay him three years at, at four to five hundred. That's no, what he's I'm, worth. What's the draft pick worth? The draft pick for Liam Henry right now. Is it in the teens? It's just outside the teens. Early 20s. Yeah. So Freo have a second rounder, I think, in this. I they think. do, yep. So what if you packaged up two second rounders? How far up do you get? Do you get to 10 or do you, are you still in the teens? Still in the teens, I think you would be. Yeah. But, you know, this is going to be the dilemma for Fremantle with Liam Henry. We know that there's going to be some interest from other clubs. Yeah. And that interest could be four years. It could be five years. To Fremantle, based on what they've seen so far, would you be prepared to go to five years for Liam Henry? I'd be prepared. I reckon Liam Henry, I love what he's done, and I'm really pleased for him because he was lagging behind the other two kids from that draft, which is Sarong and Young, and now we're seeing what he can do. To me, though, he's not necessarily a must-keep. If he wanted to go... Mm. If Colin Young wanted to shift him, and Colin Young has wanted to shift players from Fremantle before for whatever his reasons are. And he hasn't signed. So clearly, you know, they, they have to be looking at other clubs. He's, he's right assessing now. his options. There's yeah. no doubt about that. He's, he's a he's a like to keep rather than a must keep for me for Fremantle. I, w- I want another big inside mid with a bit of athletic dynamism about him. You know, someone who can explode away, someone that can give them something a bit different, someone who can make an impact early in game so we don't see this thing you've been talking about for weeks now, which is they go out there, get punched in the face, and mm. then they decide how to solve the problem. That's a that's a problem for Freo, I think. Yeah, I'd like to see the end of the year on um, Liam Henry. If he can do this for the next eight rounds, yep. then I think you, know, you might be willing to up the contract a bit, maybe give four years. But he does become now the player with the currency. At yep. Fremantle, the only one, unless you want to do a deal on Sean Darcy, which the club doesn't want to do, and you wouldn't do because he was good on the weekend against Tim English. Outside of that, there's just no obvious play that I can see that they're willing to throw up that's going to get you back into this draft. Yeah, there's no one you want to lose, I don't think. You know, like if you'd gone last year and they'd have taken a different view of Griffin Logue, you maybe look at Brennan Cox wants to go home to mm-hmm. Adelaide probably for a top-end pick and you keep Griffin Logue and Griffin Logue and Alex Pierce become your two power defenders and you pay Griffin Logue a lot more money. But um, they went the other way and fair enough. Like Brennan Cox was in the All-Australian squad last year. So I'd say... What, one, what, what would you be saying to Will Brody at the moment if you were his manager? Uh, I think if you're not in the team by the end of the year, you're looking around. Yeah. I think he's got... He's contracted. I yeah, think. they just give him a three-year contract. So... Yeah, they, they, the good thing about that is they control the trade. Mm. Um, yeah, I think you've got to have a look around, don't you? He's shown he can play. Yeah. So I think if you're him, you ask the honest question of Justin Longmuir, am I in the plans? Can you see me playing with these other players and get your answer and, and make a decision based on that? Because they still have Erasmus there as cover that can come in and spend more time on the inside. 
Just one last one before I let you go. They don't play finals, do they? No, unlikely. Yeah. yeah. There's more than two losses out there, I think, the way they're playing. Yeah. Yeah. They are middle of the road team, and that's probably where they deserve to finish right now. And Carlton come with renewed enthusiasm. They're actually moving the ball. Their midfielder was pretty powerful on the weekend. And I was listening to Owies on the breakfast with the boys, all about selflessness. You know, there's been a few teams across time that, based on just saying that word, actually had success. You go back to Melbourne's premiership success, very selfless. You go back to Richmond as well. I think that was some of the language that they were actually using through that period. So have they turned the corner? We're going to find out a bit more this week. Paul Hazelby, one half of the run home with Hayes and Marto on SENWA 3pm weekdays. We can't let you go, Hayes, without just (laughs) sending you out with this one. Must have been round one, Duff. Uh, hadn't kicked a goal all season. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was about round six, Hayes. It was somewhere around there. But you've never kicked a bigger goal than that one. What, that's what I will say. All right. What do you think of what Hayes had to say? You can have your say on the temperate bedshed text line on 0487 736 736. And we'll get to those texts in the back half of the show. We'll take a break.